Welcome back to the No Mulligans Podcast. Let's try this again. It's Scott and Jack here <laughs> inside the studio at Franklin Bridge. Uh, As always, if you guys want to follow us on socials, you can follow Scott uh, on Instagram at Golf. Uh, two S's, two E's. You can also follow FBPI Golf, mm-hmm. Franklin Bridge Performance Institute Golf. And then if you ever want to know anything about real estate, uh, Jack Beard Real Estate is my work one. So, And this is new. We have an online store. Please go buy some apparel. Go buy some stuff. Like, I, you know, I've been challenged by some people to like start charging for things. Like, charge yeah. more for things. Do more things. Yeah. Like, you provide a lot of value, and so that's hard for me. But it's like, look, if if you've gotten value out of this podcast, I mean, how many episodes have we done together at this point? So I started on episode like seventy two or seventy four, and we're in. The two hundreds for sure, like mid two hundreds or so, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So I mean, we've almost done two hundred episodes together at yeah. no cost to the consumer. Yeah, like this is just our free time. We enjoy doing this, definitely. Um, but we need we have some big goals for next year, and we need your help. So please help us out. Get some cool swag. Like if you're a listener, but you don't have the money for it, send it to parents, family members, whatever. Have them get you some cool swag. It's on my SSC golf account. Yep. Like just go on there. Go to my Go to my, uh, what am I trying to say? The link. Go to my profile. And there's a link on there. Go ahead and buy it. Yeah. So we'll post it in the show notes too. Um, but go buy some stuff. The mugs are freaking awesome. I got them coming. No, oh, nice. Yeah. So they're, they're just like glasses that are clear that have the No Mulligans logo on them. I love that. I'm also excited so cool. too because I mean, I know that apparel has been something that a lot of podcasts and programs do. But one thing I am excited for is that, you know, if you guys, you know, show out and, and uh, you know, help us out and buy some of this merch too, we would love if the demand is there to make some even cooler stuff too. Right. Because right now I can only do base level stuff because... Right. I mean, it's dollars out of my own pocket sure. to provide the inventory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once we get some nicer stuff, it's it's, it's going to be baby. sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and one then, thing that I, I really love that Franklin Bridge does is Brooks and the team do a really good job with merchandising yeah. in in the in the pro shop. And I yeah. feel like I'm really like I'm always proud to wear something Franklin Bridge. Oh, I, like I, unless it's been a private club, people don't wear swag like that from yeah. a public golf course yeah, unless no it's kidding. famous. I completely agree. But people love wearing the stuff here because it's so good. I so love it. I love we, it. We got some cool stuff coming. Help us out. Help us build that up. And then uh, coming in the spring, like look out here over the next few weeks. I'm going to start posting when we're actually going to have our tournament series for the spring. So we're going to start it in January. We'll go January, February, March, uh, April, and you'll see those first tournament series. Jack and I play with the pod and bring three people. Uh, we'll have two teams going, and it'll be roughly we're looking at right now is like six hundred bucks a team, just two hundred bucks a person. You're yeah. supporting us. You're getting awesome swag that you can't get anywhere else. So this will be exclusive swag. Yep. And we'll have a fun format, and we'll just play and have a great afternoon, evening together, all hanging out, and just have an absolute blast. So watch out for that. Come play first come first serve. Yeah, we've been talking about it too, and I just feel like it's a. Um we're fi- we finally like perfected as far as what we would like to do. And so yeah. it's been kind of a dream for a bit, but now I, I, I'm really looking forward to hanging out with you guys, playing some holes in the in the, the awesome early months of the year yep. and then on into the summer too. We'll start local. We'll start actually here at the bridge. Yep. So that'll be our first one. Yep. And then we're going to start to stretch out to places around here that uh, I've enjoyed playing or I haven't played yet and I really want to go play. And... Uh, We'll have an awesome evening. Uh, one of them is going to be Sweetens Cove, so watch out for that. Oh, we'll yeah. do, and we'll play a six them. That'll be the best part. So like we'll good. go play six people. Oh yeah. So um, that one will be a little pricier, but um, 
come and join us for that. That'll be an absolute blast. So, uh, anywho, I know we gave you a lot of stuff on the front end. It is salesy, but you know what? We've done a lot, and I want to support this guy to my right, and we want to reach more people next year, and we can't do that without your help. So Yeah, and, and my biggest thing, too, is I just want to make sure that um, everybody who's listening to this is not only having a good time listening to it, but that they actually enjoy listening to it. So right. just being able to support the podcast with some, you know, a t-shirt or a hat, it also helps when uh, if Scott and I see you around the club, too, to thank you guys for listening right. as well. Right, we can go like, hey, man, you got the stuff on, oh, that's you sweet. You got the hat, let's yeah, go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so no you you got that right so i love um, it. we appreciate y'all and uh with that like we're gonna dive in piggybacking off of thanksgiving week and um i sent a very emphatic and passionate text to the group on saturday watching the games i'm going you have unranked teams who've been six and six five and six for the year talking about football football right college football going they're not only hanging with these top teams, they're actually like winning. Yeah, and I mean for a large portion of the game. Yeah. Now those teams came out on top. Florida easily could have beat Florida State. Yep. Auburn could have beat Alabama. Yep. Um Washington, Washington State. That was one I didn't expect at all. Yeah. You're going, how do they hang? And they didn't just hang for the first quarter like you normally see. They were in the game. All the way towards the end of the fourth quarter, if not all the way to the last seconds. Yeah, I mean, you even look at that Alabama-Auburn game, which is probably the one that most everybody who's listening to this who watches football saw on that Saturday. Right. And, I mean, just came down to a lucky fourth and 31 play. I mean, that's nuts. But I think what I would just say is, you know, this rivalry week, it's always the last week of the season. Um, And getting to see these rivalries mm-hmm. you realize that a lot of it is it, it it's it means much more to the players than the records that they have you see auburn's a right example i mean it, it's hard to beat anybody in the sec at any given time and so when you give two big dogs like that who have historically had close games and both teams have won either mm-hmm. way on on in any given year you have these games that are just so, super fun to watch right so i mean what do we chalk that up to? Because at the end of the day, like Auburn was Auburn, I believe was six and five going into that game, and um, you know Alabama was ten and one, and so like, what are we? We're talking about mindset here, All right? What is it about those games where those players can't turn it on like that every single week? Well, I, I think you said it uh, already, which was like it's rivalry week. and like they're preparing for that. You think about it that way. The very you know. I've become more about language matters and the words that you use matters. Yeah. Because <clears throat> how you say a thing describes how you interact with said thing. Yeah, and we talked about that last week as well, talking about it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. Right. It's it's your confidence, it's like how you take up space in a room. Right. There's a lot of things. And you said it's that game means more than their season. It's like, whoa, I think you're right. Like, I think that's spot on. Mm -hmm. And so they treat it differently. I guarantee you the coaches prep differently. We're not going to be embarrassed on national television when every, definitely everybody's watching, right? They watch for the big games. And so coaches prepare differently, players prepare differently, mindset-wise they're ready to go. Hey, we're going to be the people who are going to take down Alabama. We're going to be the guys that take down Washington, like, 
we're going to be the people to ruin their season. And for the most part, they maintain it. And the other team is like, ah, we're going to, coaches are trying to keep them from being arrogant, right? Like, just because they're unranked doesn't mean we don't need to treat it seriously. And until the rubber hits the road, like, oh, crap, they're bringing us everything, and not just for the first five minutes or the first quarter or the first quarter and a half, but, like, shoot, they brought it for the whole first half. Yeah. and that's Crap, we're kind of caught with our pants down. We're not ready for this. Right. Mentally, right, not right. physically. Uh, that's what I've really enjoyed this year about just football in general, college and professional, where mm-hmm. this year it feels like it's been it's been a um, – Really up for grabs. Mm-hmm. Anybody's game. And I don't know how much you're following football, but I mean... Obviously not very much because I'm busy teaching. But. It, right. But, uh, you know, we've we've just seen anything is... Anything's up for grabs. And um, I think that's really cool because yeah. at that point, now you're just finding the teams who make uh, who make the least amount of mistakes right. will win. Right. And I, I really enjoy that. Or it comes down to the, the team who has the ball in their hands in the last second. And I think we can chalk a lot of that up to mindset too. So right. like, I want to talk a little bit about this going into the football analogy, but also using golf is um, I'll use golf to start just because that's the podcast that we're on. But you see a lot of people after they have a bad hole. Mm. Whether that's on hole two, whether that's on hole 17. Yeah. I feel like the majority of people who do have those bad holes will then let it affect them further down the road. Yeah. And and I think one of the reasons for that can actually be attributed to, I'm going to tie this back to something Saban said at the end. People are like, you're an Alabama fan. I'm like, I really don't care. He's a phenomenal coach and you should listen to him. Yeah. Uh, Even me as a Tennessee fan, I respect him. Right. You, You respect him as a coach. You're not pulling for Alabama, but like, Dude clearly knows what he's doing in terms of leading a team. And so <clears throat> he said something at the end of the game during the interview. And I watched the interviews. The rest of the family's not. I'm like, this is this is where I get to learn something. He said, you know, it's great that we won. Proud of our guys. You know, they grinded it to the very last second. But sometimes these are the ones I'm most nervous about. Is the wins that you get that you probably shouldn't have gotten. Because you start to think that that was enough, right? And he's talking about mind. Like, he knows that how they won that game affects how they work. Like, oh, yeah, we won that game. It's like, dude, you guys basically lost the game. You won it on the card, but you lost it because it took you that long to win it. And so he's having to shift a whole bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-olds' mindsets into, no, we got Georgia coming up. Right, we if we beat Georgia, we have a chance to make it into the college football playoff. Doesn't mean we're going to, but like that's our only last hope to stay in this. And so, in golf, sometimes that bad hole because people are so upset about the bad hole, they can't perceive the fact that you got away with a good hole or two or three, and it's been falling apart most of the time. In my teaching and coaching experience, the big fall off, unless it's like an early hole, like the first hole where they're just nervous is usually uh, preceded by some holes or some shots that they've gotten away with, and it finally caught up with them. And so they're upset about they played bad on that hole when it's actually been headed that direction for multiple holes. They just didn't see it. They got away with it like Saban was talking about. Yeah, you know, um, speaking of, I feel like a stretch of holes that I see that uh, a lot on here at Franklin Bridge is when you go from uh, hole two to three to four. 
two, two is a, a a very forgiving hole. Incredibly forgiving. Very forgiving hole, and uh, it's a short. And so is one in so, a lot of ways. Yeah, you go so one, one, two are fairly easy two. starting. The holes. reason I'm saying two is because if you're at least a decently long hitter, you're going to be able to get close to the green, if not on the green, in two. And even if you're not, the hole so short. Yeah, and yeah, and so I mean, it's yeah. just a chip and a chip and a putt in, and sometimes you can even get away with birdie, even if you've had a bad hole. Right. So then you go on to three. Now, if you're playing from the way back, you've got a super long shot ahead of you. And if mm. you're playing from the gold, I mean, it's still a, a green that you can't see. Right. So you hit it up there. Maybe you get lucky with a with a putt in, and now you got four coming up. Right. The ninety degree right. dog leg. Yep. You've got out of bounds on with your a left. Tiny green. It's one of the smallest greens on the yeah, golf course. Exactly. And you've got out of bounds on your left. You've got a hill where it's almost. Unless you have a perfect lie, impossible to get it, it is over. It's so hard to hit from over there. Right. I hate when I hit a ball over there. I'm like, whew, I know how to hit this shot, yeah. but this makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah, and then you're hitting over <clears throat> a creek onto one of the smallest and, may I say, most undulated greens that we have And here. elevated. So and like elevated. If you miss the sides, it it's falls off It's off either sides. side. And so you see a lot of people, myself included, who will you know, post a double bogey there more likely than not. Right. So I feel like that would be an example, and then you got a lo- and then you've got a, a bunker short of a par three on the next hole. Right. So you and really then, don't get any breaks until six. And then and then it's like, oh, finally the holes let off on six. But then you start pressing on six and seven because like, oh, I got I got two easy holes coming up. These are two birdie holes. How many times have we screwed that up with that mentality? Right. Oh my god. It's yeah. the like, it's oh, we're just playing Auburn this year, like. Dude, they're not even ranked. You see, they've lost six games this yeah. year. Like, dude, this will be a, K, a a walk in the park. And next thing you know, it's like, oh shoot, I just went bogey bogey. Yeah, I should have been at worst par par. Yeah, and then you get aggressive on seven. And if you're not if you're not strategic on seven, that could be another bogey. Right, and then you got eight, which is just land wise isn't a great hole. Nope, and it's an uncomfortable hole. And then you got a basically an island green par three. <laughs> I mean, for you, all practical purposes, it's kind of designed that way. And so you can see how if your mindset is weak on holes two, three, and four, I mean, it could be a long way into the clubhouse yep, from there. Yep. And then it lets up again on ten, eleven. Yep. For the most part, and then we have our aim in corner. 12, 12 13, 13, 14. 14. But if you get frustrated there, not realizing you got away with a bunch of stuff earlier on, mm-hmm. then you get those three holes will drag you down and then you're like ugh sucks and then 15's terrible and then you play 16 poorly there's fescue going in on 16 which is going to change that tee shot mm. like I used to just aim at the par- cart path on 16 yeah. it doesn't matter where it goes I can miss it 80 yards right or 70 yards left it's <laughs> yeah. fine right I just try to hit the cart path every time yeah and so but now I can't play it that way because now there actually be fescue there that I got to deal with so now I got to consider mentally the water that's on the right so like there's the golf course is getting more challenging this coming year just with that piece. They've got some other things planned that are going to be fun, um, but just some minor little stuff here and there. But those yeah. little things change how a hole and a course feels, and it's going to start to test the mindset, which is good. Like, we need it. Not, I, you can't, I can train really good players here, but I can't make great players exceptional because the course isn't hard enough. Not hard enough. Uh, and, well, there's too much. There's a lot of logistics that goes into that. But I, right. I, I think that the one thing that I see most with, like, and I'm talking lower, elite level yeah, players. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not talking average players. Right. And, and again, uh, mindset's huge. One thing that I was going to mention as well that I see a lot of low level players struggle with is if the super that morning places the T markers just a little bit off. Oh, yeah. They'll just tee it straight between the two markers and hit it wherever straight is between those markers <laughs> yeah. and it could be on the other fairway yep 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, what are you doing, man? So you know, it's and all all of these mistakes compound if you let your mindset get away with you on the previous hole. That is my point. Right, right. If you let it, the problem it's a it's not a like oh I'm going to be in a good mindset out of a good mindset. Like it, you can't just switch in and out. Not that easily. It requires a lot of work to switch into the right mindset. Some people come by it honestly, but very few do. Yeah. You actually have to work to become a champion in your mind. You oh, know, yeah. it's <clears throat> and if you're a champion in your mind, but you're you know you're a 36 handicap or a 40 handicap in your practice, well, you can't have a championship mindset if you have no practice. Like. That's silly. Like there are people that do that. They're you're delusional at that point. If you're not putting the work in on the physical components of the game, then a champion mindset isn't going to get you there because a champion mindset wouldn't like it it wouldn't do that. Like you just wouldn't. And so <clears throat> I was just so I was so floored that so many of the games were that close with the with how lopsided the rankings were essentially yeah that's what surprised me I, you see it all the time in a game here there but to see so many of those games against some of the best teams in the country against some of the most average teams in the country was mind-numbing to me i was like the only thing that explains that is how they perceive the day yeah, it, i love what you just said you said perceive right or perceive, excuse me. I don't want to mispronounce yeah. it. Um, one thing with a lot of those teams, as we're on the subject of college football, some of those teams with average records are not bad football teams either. Correct. I think a lot of the times when you see a big upset happen, it's because the uh, it's because the the, uh, the the team that's favored to win has a weak mindset against the underdog. And if you have if the underdog has a strong mindset going into the mm-hmm. game, sometimes that can be the which only, is basically what we're looking at. Yeah, and I mean like I'm not Auburn has definitely had a bad year when it comes to football, mm-hmm. but I mean by no means is Auburn a bad football team. But I'll say this, I think I think they changed the landscape of their next season by the way they played against Alabama. Completely agree. They they finished their season, even though they lost the game, on a high note. They basically said to themselves, we can play. Like, we can do this. If we come together, we work together, we do this right, we can do this. The other thing, too, is um, a player or a team with nothing to protect, with no, like, legacy or reputation to protect, <laughs> can be the most dangerous. Right. And and we've talked about this on the podcast a lot, especially with... Um, I mean, I'll mention his name, Micah. Like, right. Micah, who plays like the highest level of Division Two golf that you can ever play in, just his skill he's, level. Uh, he's, I mean it by... He's, I know, I'm trying to give him a rank. He actually texted me the other day. Oh, he, He's ranked 20th in the country right now. Uh, does that just include D2? Or that's just that, Division Two. Just Division Two. So, my, top 20 of theirs, there's... 800 guys or a right. thousand guys right my, my point being is that some of those guys who are in division two are dogs those guys are there because they guess what off their ball man they have no uh they've got no legacy to protect as far as like being on a division one team or being in the sec or being at a high level uh high saw highly a prestigious golf school they like, still have something to prove they still have something to prove and they go out there and they freaking do it man and so those division two and some of those juco players and that's also too what if you're looking at football and you see like hard knocks or uh oh, yeah. you see uh um um oh my god that that um i'm forgetting the show where they take juco 
Juco kids. I have no idea. Um, goodness gracious. But like a lot of those guys have nothing to lose. And right. so they'll play their right. asses off. And I kind of want to talk about that with golf too, because I think you'll see a lot of people who either brag about their handicap or, uh, or, or maybe they've got like the best equipment in their bag, or maybe they just have something that they feel like they need to protect the person who's just going to go out there and play their ball and just plays golf to play golf. I feel like it's going to beat them 10 out of 10 times. So, um, We've mentioned Braden a few times. I'm excited. He's somebody I just started working with. But um, we've worked heavy on the mindset. So, like, it's, yeah. it's fresh for yeah. me. But is um, this idea of, like, you belong at this level, but in the same sense, like, what are you doing to actually get there, right? Like, what makes you flip the switch? What makes you step it up to that next notch? And it's it's really just being able to put the work in. It's... I sent him the video of Tiger Woods talking about juniors. You may have seen this, or maybe I sent it to the you. 600 Yeah, the, like, hey, I have him touch. If you're going to be a competitive golfer and you want to play at the highest level, you need 1,000 touches well, a he, day. What did he day. What did he say about the putts? He said, I'd make like how he many said, four-footers? He said 1,000 touches a day of a golf club. Yep. And he said, now, you can decide what that makeup is, Sure. but it could be 100 balls on the range, 300 chips, and 600 putts. I was like couple of things. I mean, he said a lot in that little thing. A, a thousand touches a day. People are like, well, that seems like an awful lot. Yeah, because it is. Like, if you want to be one of the best, you have to put that level of work in. And when I look at students, I'm going, did you put that much in? I put close to that in when I was a kid. My parents would drop me off. Like, this is back in the days your parents would just drop you off at the golf course and you stayed there for eight or nine hours. Well, you don't just go sit and watch the football game on the TVs because guess what? The TVs weren't that good back then, right? And you just didn't sit there. Like, you played putting games on the putting green. You went and chipped. I remember chipping for hours. I would literally take balls and put them all around the green. There'd be 75, 100 balls around the green. I'd go and chip every single one of them. I'd go around and do it again. That's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and people are surprised that my chipping is so good even though I don't practice anymore. I was like, because I put in thousands and thousands of reps on chipping and putting. Well, and I didn't do that on my full swing, which is what I need to do. The the point I'm trying to make here too, with um, especially with the Tiger number, what was the four-footer number? Was it 600? Something he made? He just... Uh, he said, oh, he would make between 100 and 200 four-footers in a row. In a row. Every single day. Every day. And I think what my point behind that was is, is being... He's not putting Yeah, yeah, no. Um, but... When you make that many in a row and when you put in that many hours, when you get up and you have an eagle putt on number two out here and it's a, you know, four, six, eight footer, you now have not only the confidence, but it is now a part of your identity that you make that putt. Ooh, dude, that's so good. It's, it's a part of your identity as a player, not as a person, but as a player, like... A lot of people. I'm will, somebody who makes putts because I'm ready for this moment. Exactly, and a lot of people will uh, be afraid of the disappointment or the fear of rejection, myself included. If you're going to miss a putt like that, yeah. Sometimes I like that. Sometimes that fear actually drives me to like not only want to practice more, it but want me to focus. Wants me to focus a little bit more. Yep. And so, but when you get up to that putt, you're like, I deserve to make this instead of oh, I'd be lucky to make this. Mm. And and even if you don't, you, uh, you tap it in. But like. Oh, that section is so good. If you're listening to this right now, just re 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 rewind it back and listen to that whole little section again because you said so much in that of 
you've earned this, you deserve this because you've put in the work. Like people don't put in the work. And that's why recruits go to Alabama to play football. Because guess what? Saban is going to ingrain in them a mindset of this work and this discipline so that then when they get out on the field, they're free to perform. Yeah, there's absolutely. There's no fear. I feel like there's no fear in Saban's program other than just like, hey, like we go out there, we work. scared of coach, if anything. Yeah, scared of not, <laughs> yeah, not doing enough to play, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that that's just, you start to develop a really dangerous human in a good way when mm. you do that in anything. It doesn't mean, it could be if you're in sales. It, it, could, yeah, be, it, matter. it could be a thousand cold calls. It could be uh, it, it, anything. And mm. as long as you just put in the hours, it'll then become a part of your identity, and then you will have a higher standard for yourself. Yeah. No, I I, <laughs> I agree with that a thousand percent. I mean, it's it's just it's just the way it is. And so that's the culture you're going to have, then that's what you're going to get. And there's people that talk about it, right? But it's not about the talking. It's about the actual believing and the actual doing. Talking's a part of it. Language is a part of it. You know, it's why teams come up with like three words or five words, like character, charity, and sportsmanship is the Payne Stewart Award, right? Like it's based on those three things. So, you know, there's defining who it is that you're going to be as a program helps you get there. And there's different ways of doing it. There's different types of championship mindsets. And I think what the, those three words or whatever that mission or vision statement Mm -hmm. is for you, it doesn't necessarily define like it doesn't necessarily define the program more than it is a measuring stick for uh, like mm-hmm. my motivation. Are, like, are we, am I acting in such a way that fits with this? Bingo. Here. And Bingo. It, it's basically serves as a check on yourself. Bingo. You know, I, I don't remember what the sign was, but in basketball in middle school, like when we walked out, there was a sign above in the high school practice at the middle school. So it was actually from the high school team, but we'd walk out and you'd hit the, I had to jump at that age yeah, to hit the well, above the door. But like you're reminding yourself each time you walk out of that locker room. It's Notre Dame. Play like a champion today. It's Tennessee. I will give my all for Tennessee today. It is like those right. things where you start to realize like, okay, I'm going to take what I've just done right. and I'm not leaving this field, this course, this court, whatever it is until it's, if, if I'm going to do that. Right. With oh, how how do I want to say this? I, I I want to fully embody this phrase or this mission or this vision. Mm. Well, and whenever it's, I'm performing, it's one of my favorite things. Is like uh, a couple phrases that have floated through our teaching. The two that stay are: you can do hard things. Yes. Like that's why I'm not afraid to say golf is hard because it is. Golf's really hard, right? But you can do hard things. Well, in the moment that you realize that you're practicing and that you're getting better, you realize, oh shoot, this is a really hard game, and I'm actually not doing too bad. Like, right? I'm I'm figuring this thing I'm out. Figuring it out. This it builds great. confidence, right? Um, and then the other one is there's one rule: shoot a lower score, right? So like that frames the way you look at the game, right? How do, how do I shoot it a lower score here? It's it's Carson Stoller like playing in a college tournament. Um, and missing every fairway on the front nine both days, but he knew he was struggling off the tee. But, okay, how am I still going to get the ball in the hole even though I'm not hitting it well off the tee? We figured out how to play the angles, right? And he was 503 under on those two nines where he didn't hit a single fairway. Well, you shouldn't do that. He didn't hit a fairway. But he understood how to play the game. So it's those two phrases, you can do hard things, and there's one rule, shoot a lower score, frame the way not only our students view how they play, but us as teachers, how we teach. And so it's changing the way we're running our junior program this winter. It's, but 
because we have those established now, we keep coming back to them every week in our staff meetings. I have us review those things and keep reminding us of those things because it changes how we interact with our environment because we're just as prone to error as the next person. The one I'm not, I'm not a faultless human. Yeah, 100%. And I, you know what's interesting is we talk a lot about um, mindset on this podcast, but I don't think any, I don't think I've ever brought this up before. I personally believe that it's the mindset that gets these players to the highest level. That's correct. It's not the it's not the technical ability. Mm-hmm. It's not the athleticism. Mm-hmm. I think a perfect example of this would be um, oh my gosh, who was the amateur that played in the Masters this year that did really well? Um, no, you're asking me a question. I'm not gonna be able to remember. No, it's Sam no. maybe. Um, um, oh my gosh, I see his face with the mustache. He was, anyway, the point I'm trying to say <laughs> is this guy is an amateur that right. made the cut at the Masters, and he stayed in it for. A long time. Yeah. And he was playing against other amateurs and other players that just got their fresh tour card or maybe qualified for their first Masters and, like, didn't make it. And this guy's an amateur who's going and dusting some of these right. guys with their tour card. But he talked a lot about the mindset. Is he yes. the guy with the tattoo on the I think, yes. On the yes, arm yes, because of his dad. dad. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember his name. I just remember the story. I don't wish I could which, look it which up. Which is the part that matters, right? It's not that you remember his name. It's that you remember what you learned from him, right? Like, <clears throat> Jack's going to look it up. I love this. Uh, what was his name, Jack? Yeah, Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett. There yeah, you go. from Texas A&M. Yep. So, you know, it's that he believed that he can play out there. Yeah. And, like, not just like, okay, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe it. But, like, deep down in your soul and the fact that he learned that from his dad that was that's been years in the making to believe that like you don't get there because okay i made it now i'm going to decide i believe that i can be there you know yeah i'm thinking of another sport one of my favorite sports uh, formula one two where you're getting some of these guys who are getting in these cars yeah. and the margin for air is so small that oh, yeah. you have to have confidence and some of that fu mentality mm-hmm. to drive those cars and i think that sport is i mean i think you still have to be extremely athletic and extremely agile to you know to drive a car like that mm-hmm. but that's a definition of a sport that leans less on the body and more on the mind and reflexes and i think that is a excellent sport for somebody to uh patrol those mindsets if you will if you want to go dabble in just the mind of a champion well you especially see it in the um i grew up loving indie cars from uh, my dad. Yeah. I never got to go. We could have gone and sat on pit row. Like my dad had a best friend that was there and we just never did. What? I don't know why. We'll go next year. Old, old enough. We'll go next year. Go. We should. There's one in Nashville. Let's we'll do, do it. it. <laughs> um, but is, where was I going with this? I have no idea. Where I was they, going just with take, this. they just oh, take, they just, if you look at their lap times, yeah. like the difference between them is slim. And even the guys with the fastest lap times, End up having some of the worst performances. A a second is a eternity in those oh, in those yeah. sports. Yeah. You were talking about tenths of seconds, hundredths of seconds sometimes. Yep. And what is that the difference of? That's the difference of turning your wheel, you know, 
X amount of angle versus X plus one. Like right. it is impossible. Right. So anyway, I, I bring that up because I think those guys, um, they actually had a, um, I'll bring up another podcast. I'll give a shout out here to the high performance podcast. Hmm. And they recently interviewed a uh, excellent F1 driver, Alex Albon, who drives for the Williams team. And it's an excellent podcast. I highly recommend anybody who's listening to this young or old to mm-hmm. go listen to it. But it, he talks about just, a lot of the barriers that he had to get over in his own life to believe that he really had what it took to be one of the best. Um, And he went through a lot of ups and downs in formula one. And now he's, he's driving the best that he's ever driven in his entire career. Worth a listen. If you're Mm. listening to this. Wow. Yeah. That, that reminds me of, um, of a video I saw roll through of um, Kobe Bryant, like in one of the games, like several games in a row, airballed, like one of the last shots. Oh yeah. There's four of them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And he went the next day after he had that fourth one happen, he went the next day and literally shot the entire day. It's just like, that's people will just go work on the mindset. It's like, no, 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 no. The mindset makes you go work. You don't just try to flip like, okay, I got to believe I can do this. So I don't do that again. It's like, no, I'm going to go and practice in such a way where I never do that again. Oh, that's so good. I even I needed that just hearing that from you that it's not it's not the mindset itself. Mm-hmm. It's the mindset that gets you to practice which then ingrains everything else to make Because it work. if the mindset is real, mm. then the action follows. Mm. If the mindset is manufactured and you don't really believe it, then you won't do the action that follows it. Wow. Woo. Dude, we're just dropping some knowledge <laughs> no, today. You won't. You just won't. Yeah, like that's it's, it's so true. It's my struggle to get in the gym right now. Of like, I didn't go yesterday because I'm not like mentally. I'm not. I need to get myself in the frame of mind to go. Now I know we talk about like we well, just going is good. Like, but the journey I'm about to go on, I need to like. I still haven't actually even written down the the program that I'm going to do. I've written down like, how am I going to make my meals work and do all that stuff? It's like, no, I have a different goal this time and I need to make sure I take the intentional time to set myself up to be able to do it. So uh, even if yeah. me just walking in there wasn't going to do it because I was going to half do it, wow. I need to set myself like, I know the mind's not ready yet. Let's get the mind where it needs to be. doesn't mean my motivation's going to be high. I just need to get myself in the right frame of mind Yeah. by being prepared to go do the thing that I want to do. Yeah, that... Um that reminds me of, of something else as far as just a lot of people think the mindset is just like going in there stone cold and being like, you know what? I'm going to go run at 5 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> well, it's like, no, like, okay, fine. Like if you go do it, like congratulations. But what did that accomplish for you afterwards? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there really has to be a discipline, disciplined plan mm-hmm. in place to not only create the mindset, but create the habits that will then create the performance. Right. And that's a hard thing to right. do. And I think if you don't do yourself that that justice by making that plan, I, I think that any efforts that you go to try and change your habits are just going to be lost causes. You have to have a goal with an action plan. Mm, I love that. And like, if you you can have goals, but goals without an action plan are just dreams. Mm. You know. And so I was sitting in here. You know, we talked about we should actually this will be our next podcast. We weren't sure what to do, but um, we'll talk about teaching the teachers. That's a lot of fun for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, after coming off of Houston and teaching and uh-huh. educating some other teachers, like, this is fun for me, teaching the teachers. But it's like, <clears throat> I was watching Elijah give a lesson, 
kind of just snuck in, did some office work, but also like to, you know, watch how he's doing and being able to help where I can. And he was on the right thing. Yeah. And uh, the dad happened to be in here for the first time during this lesson. And I'm about to light both of them up. You know me, I'm not going to light somebody up. But I realized in that moment that that kid's giving me a half effort. I've told Elijah to push him, and he has, but he really wasn't pushing him because dad was in the room too. But that's part of the maturing as a teacher and confidence and like just go do it, Elijah. Make him do it. And so like I made a, <clears throat> a side comment. I was like, Elijah, you're being a lot nicer than I would be. Now, Hank said that. I can't tell you a number of times Hank said that same line to me, which is like, which is a statement of you're on the right thing. Make him do it. If he's here in front of you, make him do it. But I've decided to float a question instead. I was like, hey, bud, um, what do you want to do with your golf? I know you and your dad and Elijah are talking about, you know, what you're working on. But, like, what do you want to do with your golf? Well, you know, I just I just want to hit it better. I was like, okay, so how do you know when you're hitting it better? Well, you know, I want to hit like I did, you know, at the end of school season this year. I was like, okay, so, like, what were you doing then that made it good? Well, I was just hitting it better. I was like, well, well there's no goal. There's no goal, so there's no action. And no matter how hard Elijah pushes him, until we establish that and be like, "Hey, man, we have a goal." We had some one kid get frustrated in our winter program that Erica sent him down, and we're going through goal setting. I'm sorry, but until you give me a goal and we build an action plan, you're just showing up to somebody to tell you something. And guess what? We're not that program anymore. Especially not at that level. What my real estate team—if they're a brand new beginning—I just want them to have fun with the game. But these kids are not in that category. No, yeah. Uh, One thing that's super beneficial, which I think uh, a lot of you guys could actually implement as well. My real estate team every year makes me create a one-three-five. What's called a one-three-five. One-three. One year, three year, five year. Mm, Almost. Uh. So (laughs) we have our main goal, right? It could be make $100,000. It could be shoot 72 next year. It could be anything you want. Okay. Okay. Now off of that, what are three things that are going to be able to to contribute to that goal? Well, if it's golf in in 72, okay, I want to, I'm loving this. I want to, um, you know, I want to chip. I want to do chipping practice five days a week. I want two days or uh, I want to work on my driver two days a week. I want to, um, you know, make 400 putts one day. Okay. Or something like that. You, gener- more whatever, general goals, whatever, whatever it yeah. is. And then the five is then get even more granular with that. What are five things that will help you accomplish one of the three things, which will then help you accomplish the one thing. Hmm. So for the for the putting, one right? year, three year, five year wasn't even close. By the way, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a feeling it wasn't that. No, but yeah, yeah. But like if if putting or well, here you go, I'll give you another better chipping, driving, putting. Okay, those are the three things that we. Or, I got to be better in each of those. I got to be better in each of those. Now the putting, the five can be like I want to practice. I want to make a hundred two footers in a row. I want to do you know fifty lag. But do you have five for things. each of the three items? Bingo. Whoa. So that's bingo. 15 things so now automatically if you're ever being like you have your action plan right there in front of you yeah i don't you have your action plan and you're saying well i don't know what to do today okay well go and do one of the five things that are off of your three right and so it just helps you this dude i've needed this for my fitness so bad like (laughs) i tell you what i'm going home tonight and i'm going to do one three i might not be able to get the five yeah but i can i can i know i can get the one and the three well, and then the one thing that I would tell you, and I'm also telling the people that are listening to this, is this is so good. Really dive deep and try and five, five, find five. My director of business ops, who helps me do this every single time, if I'm like, if I'm struggling to find one, 
He doesn't let me be like, okay, three's three's good enough there. No, it's five, and you better find five. Hmm. And it's and it's good to find five because the biggest thing, and we have elaborated on this with the plan, the biggest thing that you want to seek out is clarity. I think about the guy that you were just talking about. Be like, well, I just want to hit it better. That's not very clear. Clear. Hey, I was shooting seventy-two, ten or you know, eight months ago, and right. now I'm shooting seventy-nine. I want to get back to that seventy-two. Okay, now we've established a clear, uh, measurable goal. Right. Right. Which now right. we can create an action plan in order to achieve. Right. Right. But you're not going to get this by saying I just want to hit it better. Like you said, how do you know? Right. And and he couldn't answer it. I'm like. The reason, and I just kind of let it be at that, and then like that kind of motivated him a little bit, and kind of got Elijah excited a little bit. But that's I just threw those two things out, and I just stayed away. Like I let Elijah try to explain what he was trying to get him to do, whether it was right or wrong doesn't matter. Like it's the core problem was the kid had no goal, had no. I just want to hit it better. He's afraid to set a goal because the goal is going to hold him accountable to what he's actually going to have to do. Which then brings up failure, and then the fear right. of failure. If that's and the like, well, now I, now I feel awkward. I was like, yeah, but to get to where you're going to want to get to, you don't have to feel awkward, bud. You don't get to feel comfortable. And for the record, if you were on a football team right now and you were acting like that, you'd be running laps, son. And I can tell you what, that ain't fun either, right? Like, you've got to get uncomfortable, and so. It's fun for me to look at that and go, geez, Elijah, like your job is to follow up with this kid. And when he shows up for the next lesson, you don't let him grab a club until we establish what that is. And if you spend the entire hour doing that and then you lose the client, that's fine. But I was pissed because what was going to happen was Elijah's giving him the right thing to do and they're going to walk away and they're going to say that he's a bad teacher. No, you're a terrible student and like that needs to be fixed. It's been, that's uh, right? all that's just money. And is there teaching involved in helping a student create clarity and goals? Yeah, but like, hey man, Elijah's been giving you the same thing for the last four or five lessons. Like that's, do the work. Yeah. He's working his tail off to make you better and yep. you're not giving him anywhere close to a fraction of that effort. And, and we've done podcasts on this in the bat and podcast on this in the bat. Oh my goodness! Well, tongue twister. We've done podcasts in the past. You know? <laughs> We've done podcasts in the past about how uh, golf practice is too easy. Yeah, and I think that there's a stigma with golf that oh, you can just show up, slap a few balls around, and you're done. No, honestly, what I'd really love in, in a complete dream world with unlimited money mm-hmm. is we take that back tee, we renovate it all with a gym, bays, the whole nine yards, and if somebody shows up with a bad attitude, all right, fine, you got to go run the driving range. Like you got to go run the driving range like ten times or something like that. Because mm-hmm. I, I just I, I think that without consequence, like it's it's just hard to push people. And consequence can be anything. It can be running laps or it could be sucking at your golf game right and and that consequences that motivates people is different for different things bingo for different people yep and so you know that's to me that's the changing factor for us is how do we do that right it's and i love your one three five i i shoot i don't start your new year's resolution without doing this no that's why that's why new year's resolutions burn out because there's no plan i just want to do this Okay, well, what is it going to take to get there? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's so simple, but how many times do we need to be reminded of it? Uh, sometimes the simplest things, you know, it's the 80-20 rule. 20% of the actions are responsible for 80% of the success. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things about, like, being around. Yeah, that makes total sense. It's one of the things to me that makes, you know, people are like, I don't need to go to church. Like, if you're on the Christian side, like, I don't need to go to church. It's like, 
Yeah, you think you're going to come up with the right mindset on your own, sitting by yourself in a room with a book? Like, no, you're not. Like, the reason to go there, we talk about getting in the room, right? Like, you need to be in the environment. If that's if that's actually how you want to live your life and that's the type of thing you want to do, you got to be in that environment on a regular basis. If we go from the strict secular world of it, like, all right, I want to become one of the best coaches in the country. Well, you better hang around and watch and read things that the best coaches are doing. But go find the best coaches and go spend time around them. Like, you can't – you're not going to get what you want unless, again, that's the one, three, five. That would probably be one of – it might be one of the three, but it's certainly going to be in one of the five is, all right, I need to get around better players. Like, maybe one of the things is, you know, I need to have mental toughness on the golf course. That would be one of my three. Well, under that three, that one is going to be five more, which would be I need to play around better players. That would like be, it. That's getting in the I room, I think that's right? one. Like, yep. That's one. You know, it would be – I need to make my practice harder. There's two. Okay, know. well then I would ask you to define that. What okay, yeah. So that harder? would be too vague, right? So Correct. then it would be. Um, I want to make a hundred to a hundred four footers in a row. Yeah, that I'm gonna do that twice a week. Yep. Or attempt it at least yep. twice a week. And you can see how after you that was lay crazy. Out all I the went tree to put it, try to put a five on there, and it wasn't correct. It was too vague because that would basically would have just been a three. Uh, maybe I would I would ask you to make the three specific as well. But like the point being is that now you have fifteen action items that you can take to accomplish one goal. Well, I don't have anything to do today. Well, yeah, yeah, you do. You got one of them from the fifteen. <laughs> you could. Wow, that's so good. So that like that's the project. If you're listening to this, set that Make out a one, one three, three five. five. So to uh, to summarize, you've got one goal. All right, I, I want to go from a uh, you know a, a ten handicap to a five. Okay, what are three things I need to work on? Okay, I need to work on wedges, putting, and my uh, my short irons. And you might need somebody's help to figure out what one of those three might be. Bingo. You might pick the wrong one. And you one might want to, if you're a student of Scott's, you might want to ask Scott, what do you think you need to work on? Mm -hmm. Right? And so then add the five action items off of those three tree branches. Okay, if it's putting, I want to make X amount of uh, three footers. I want to put X amount of putts within uh, X amount of feet uh, for lag putting. You know, I want to um, I want to make X amount of up and downs. This like, moment, there's so many things you can do. This moment just totally transformed cracking the code specifically for our juniors. Love it. Our adults don't quite have the same time. Sure. This is Erica's next session with the kids is actually going this deep. Well, and the beautiful thing with the one three five, it's meant for people who are really you know going to dive deep into what they want to do. But you can your make career, that your profession, your family. I your obviously finances. use it for real estate, right? So it's like you use it. Um, you can use it. Uh, you can make it as hard or as easy as you want. I would make it as hard as you can, as hard as you can with the time that you have. And that's why I think the juniors are really good. If you're an adult, I think you can still make a one three five that is going to be easier on your day to day life as well. Yeah. So I just and you, push yourself you're not to do gonna, And again, you don't do all the fifteen every day. Right. But it gives you a place to go. Yep. And maybe it can help you structure the days you do have to practice. Like, all right, I've got five days to practice. I've got three days of practice, five days of practice. I'm going to work on three of these things each day for every week. And yep. so over the course of a month, I've worked on everything multiple times. And if you want to increase the difficulty, specifically with a more vague goal, and when I say vague, I, I don't mean vague. I mean like a, like a performance goal that you can't measure. Like, for example, if I want to be X strong in the gym, if I want to lift X amount of weight, or if I want to go from a you know, 10 handicap to a 5. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is you can – you can make like okay, I need to accomplish my five every single every single week if you want to work towards that goal, mm. right? 
or it can be based out in I want to do all this in a month. I want to do all of this. I would I would stray Time away from the year. Yeah. I would say go up to maybe a quarter at most. But really, I would say try and do this yeah, every like single quarter. Six months would be definite a definite cap, but giving it a three month like cracking the code's perfect, right? It's four months. Yep. So. And Erica's next meeting with these kids is going to be a, they have basically have three months left of cracking the code. So you kind of have to be the master code. of your own destiny and say, well, how long do I really think this is going to take? And then set time goals based on that. And here's the other thing I'm thinking, this is going to get parents totally locked into what we're doing as a program. Yeah. Like, because guess what? It's measurable. Right. And they can see, wow, they really thought this through and they're sat down with my kids. Like these are what my kids are doing. Now I can, now I don't have to look to the coach and go like, Hey coach, are you doing everything you need to do? It's like, my kid hasn't done the things that already been given to him. In Bingo. Fact, some of the, half the things the kid, my, chi- my kid chose. Bingo. And it's also accountability, right? And when you sit yeah. down with those kids and you make that one, three, five with them and they haven't done it. Okay. Now the burden's on you, buddy. Why haven't you done it? I've done my part. I gave you the structure in the one, three, five, and exactly. you're struggling to fill out the five for no. each one, but I'm helping like. We've gotten it. Yep. So what do you do? What yep. Are you yep. Doing? And it teaches accountability, which also teaches mindset, which is the whole point of the podcast. <laughs> and that's and we're a done. <laughs> no, it actually is. We're done here. But you know, thanks guys so much that's for listening. So good. I, I really hope this has helped any anybody who is uh, you know struggling with mindset. I think one of the things that um, I really enjoyed about this one, rather than some of the other podcasts that we've done on mindset, is we've kind of talked about mindset in a general sense, and in some ways we did today too. But I think uh, I really enjoyed when we got really granular towards the end and yeah. said, okay, these are measurable things, and you can determine the person who either makes the one three five or sets your action plan or your whatever your goal is you now the burden is on you and uh the accountability is on you and i think that's really what makes mindset and a championship mindset and if you can get over that oh, dude there's nobody you can't beat mm. i don't have anything to say <laughs> i love it oh well, I, I guess I'll other than go and get some cool swag yeah please go and get some cool swag for christmas we'd really appreciate it uh it'll be on uh scott's instagram at s golf you gotta hurry up and get it otherwise it'll take a little longer to get there because it has to be the way i have it is it has to be made and then it has to be sent to you yep. so. bingo and then uh um, you can find me on instagram uh it, well jack beard real estate is my work one yep. the underscore j beard is my personal one and uh of course make sure you follow fbpi golf franklin bridge performance institute golf so really appreciate you guys listening to this episode of the champions playbook if you have found any value in this send this episode to somebody that you know who uh could use the episode and uh, we really appreciate mm. you guys so we're going to try and do uh one holiday podcast this december where we're actually going to be uh in the pub like old times and do this so if you guys want to come out make sure that you follow shc golf on instagram to figure out when that date is i didn't know we were going to do that so we're going to do that <laughs> Bingo. So good. From Jack and Scott inside the studio here at Franklin Bridge. We'll see you on the next one. It's been the No Mulligans Podcast. Peace. Peace.